today on It's Time. So never let your failures in Christianity paralyze you from anything you may do in the future. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. You know, when we look at the scripture, we see, I believe, the Apostle Paul being the same. I think when we look at the life of Jesus, we see him being the same. Whether he's under the heat with the Sanhedrin, whether he's healing people, whether he's ministering to the crowds, we see the Jesus that's the same. And you know, that's one of the things that God endeavors to do in every one of our lives. Remember before we came to Christ, how we were different around different people? (laughs) You ever been around the people that have potty mouths? Every other word is some profanity until they get around a girl they like or they get around a police officer and then all of a sudden all those bad words go away. And I go, so you do have control over your tongue. But you choose to be different around different sorts of people. Now here's where you say, why is that an issue? Here's where the problem is. They say the greater distance between who you are and who you think you are or the multiple personalities you are is the closer you are to being insane. That's scary. Because I think about how many insane friends I had. They were one way around one group of people, another way around another group of people. That old saying that I sometimes quote often. Whatever you are, be what you are. And if you don't like what you are, you'll know where to go to get help. But if you're heavenly around the heavenly, and you're hellish around the hellish, you don't know which one of you you like best. And then you won't know where to go to get help. So there's a blessing in being the same. And I believe part of being born again is God bringing, you might say, uh, a settling in our soul so that when we really are who we are and if we don't like what we are, we see the Holy Spirit work to bring us out of where we're at to where he'll have us be. I think that's so important. Paul says, you know what manner of person I was? You've seen me good, bad, and the ugly. You've seen it all. Uh, I think that's really important. Uh, sometimes you might see me bummed out. Um, sometimes maybe I've taught when I've been bummed out. But understanding that there's a blessing in being the same. In other words, we don't have a pretense about us. We're just what we are in Christ. And if you've ever done that before, I would invite you to consider it. It may be a tremendous blessing. It may be the greatest scary thing that you've ever seen. So you might say, God, reveal to me who I am. How much I need you each and every day. And whether you've been saved an hour or you've been saved 50 years, you're going to see your need for Christ each and every day to bring about a stability in your life, a standard that 
we would truly be those that follow Christ. And so he said, from the first day I came in what manner I've always lived among you. From the first day. In other words, I didn't turn on a show for you when you first met me to make you think I was something that I'm not. I think that's really important. I think ministers really need to take heed to this because when you see this difference, you know, they come out and they, they look like Liberace. They got 25 pounds of gold chains on them and, and all that kind of stuff. And then when they're somewhere else, they, hey, there's a blessing in being the same. Now, I'm not saying there isn't times that we put on a suit and tie, like for weddings and perhaps a memorial service. I, I think we do that. But I believe that we inside, we have to come to an understanding who we are. Paul notes that. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. He very much was aware that he had enemies. He didn't just say, well, I'm just in positive confession and I don't even think about those people. No, he didn't do that. He realized he had enemies. Something we all need to remember is we do too. There are people that want to see Demons that want to see you stop dead in your tracks concerning your testimony, your relationship with God, and all the things that God has proposed for you to do for him and his kingdom before we all go be with him. So he said, serving the Lord with all humility, many tears. Um, This tells me that uh, being a pastor is going to have tears in it. I've cried my fair share. I can tell you that for truth. And many of you that are close to me know these things that happened as well. He also says, with humility, again, not trying to make a name for himself. He was just out preaching Jesus. And now I kept back nothing as I was helpful. Um, He didn't serve the Lord half-heartedly. He just poured it all out for God. And it says that, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God, faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, See now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which will happen to me there. He'd been warned in different places not to go. But it says bound in the Spirit. If you like to note things in your Bible you might want to circle the word S in spirit there. Sometimes it's capitalized. Here it is not. Which would indicate he was bound by the Spirit, but not necessarily the Holy Spirit. It might have been his own spirit that was compelling him to go. And the reason why we'll talk about that is because some people believe that really Paul's best that God had for him was not to go to Jerusalem but this is something that he himself wanted to do as he was bound in the Spirit. So, if that's the case, and I'm not saying either way, I'm just saying it's something interesting to observe. He says, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Now, going again to Jerusalem, why is that significant? Because God had sent him to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles weren't in Jerusalem. So if God sent him to the Gentiles, but yet because of his love for his Jewish brethren, drove him back to Jerusalem, I believe, friends, this is where we serve a big God that can make even the things perhaps that we do wrong right. God straightened this out. 
It wasn't that Paul was sinning by saying, well, you know, if I go over here, you know, I can party a little bit. No, his heart was right. He wanted to see God's work done. So whichever way it is, the kingdom of God was furthered. Now, when the Bible says, Paul said himself, I'm not preaching to the Jews anymore. I'm going to the Gentiles. Now we do find him occasionally still going back to the synagogues and preaching to the, to the Jews again. But God had sent him to the Gentiles and then yet he goes to the Jews. And what happens when he gets there, the Jews did not view him as a fellow brother in Judaism. They viewed him as a hardcore, hardcore traitor. But Paul was convinced that he could, he could convince them because you see, he was a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. As far as Pharisees went, he was at the top of the list. He was out there. So he thought, if I could be changed, anybody could be changed and I'll go there. And we'll see that as we, we get towards, uh, his message there when he finally gets there. So understanding some of these things, would it have been better for him to just continue on with the Gentiles? Probably. He was bound in the Spirit, but notice it's not the Holy Spirit um, necessarily. So, he says, How I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Well, you would think then that if God was warning him, was God warning him to tell him not to go, or was God telling him to prepare for the things that are to come? I don't know. I'll let you think that one through. See, to me, God warns because of wanting us to do something different. But I don't, I'm not spiritual enough to say Paul was out of God's will to go to Jerusalem. Because what happens, as you know, when he gets to Jerusalem, a riot basically breaks out. He ends up arrested. And this is what starts this whole thing of him, uh, with all the enemies that he had made all kind of jumping on him at one time. Now, if had not been arrested, we probably wouldn't have a lot of the letters that he wrote to the different churches because he himself could not go because he was in jail. So did God use this? Absolutely. Would have God done something different if Paul decided to just go to the Gentiles, like he said, and not gone there at all? Probably. But what tells me is so important in this is God is bigger than anything you and me have ever done wrong. And friends, for every one of us, that should give you and me great comfort to realize that what I may have messed up, God can fix. Have we ever messed up anything? (laughs) Oh, all the time. I keep thinking I'm going to get to the point in my life where I don't mess stuff up. I don't think it happens this side of heaven. And sometimes the very things that I intended, everything in me was, this is going to be good, and this is going to bless people, and this is going to be a great thing. And then it all goes upside down, and you go, why did I ever even do that? The foolish person says, well, I'm not going to do anything for God again. The real Christian operating in faith says, well, that could have gone better. But I don't know what God really accomplished in eternity out of that. So I'm going to commit that to him and I'm going to keep going. That's what we have to look at. So never let your failures in Christianity that you endeavor to do for God paralyze you from anything you may do in the future. 
Because sometimes we sometimes think that way. Well, this didn't go well, so the next thing ain't going to go well, so I'm just going to be like everybody else and veg. God says, no. Let God do something new in your life every day. So, verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed now I go, I, I know that you all, I know you all, that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. And that was true. I believe this is why Paul spent such a long time there preaching when Echthius fell out of the window. Because he realized, I might not be able to be back and see these guys again. For I have not avoided to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now verse um, 26. Therefore I testify to you all this day that I am innocent from the blood of all men, and I have not shunned or avoided to declare the whole counsel of God. That's what's really important. That's what's wrong with the church today in America and around the world. The whole counsel of God. Not the pastor's favorite sermons. Not sermons on love and money. Uh, or be ye excellent one to another. But rather the whole counsel of God. And there's some things in here that I'll be honest with you convict me to the, convict me to the heart. But you know what? God's word is right. And so I, you, we have to conform to what the Word of God says. Now you say, but if we teach this, if we teach some of these things that are a little uncomfortable, people will leave the church. Mm Mm-hmm. So? Do you think they're going to go in the rapture? The whole counsel of God is being preached in heaven, I guarantee you. So if you say, well, I don't like that part of the Bible, so therefore I'm going to leave that out. Well, I wonder if God's going to leave you out. You see, we accept the entire counsel of God's word. That's why the Bible tells us in Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept, is the way we study God's word. Not hodgepodging, skipping through the Bible, taking the verses we like and objecting to the ones we don't. Or making the Bible say whatever we want to by taking verses out of context and thereby building whole ideas, philosophies, and cults upon tweaked scripture. This is a problem that we find today. And so if you ever move away from this church, or you're listening by radio and wondering where a good church to go, find a church that teaches line upon line, precept upon precept. That's going to give you a foundation, and as Paul says, the whole counsel of God's Word. And I think it's really important that who's ever teaching people need to have read the entirety of God's Word. How can you preach it if you don't know it? So I think that's a really important part of our Christianity. Now, I have not shunned or avoided to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Why would anybody want to shun or avoid part of it? Because there are things that make people feel uncomfortable, but but the uncomfortability brings in conviction, and conviction brings repentance, and then you're more like Jesus. Isn't that the idea? And that's the difference. So, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased 
with his own blood. Now, looking at this up close, this is a major verse. Why is it? You'll run into people that say, nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus is God. I don't know what Bible they could possibly be reading, but all the way through the Bible, it speaks of Jesus Christ being God. Um, John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 59, and they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because claiming to be God, the I am of the Old Testament, when Moses said to the burning bush, who shall I say sent me to Pharaoh? And the burning bush, God in the bush, said, tell him the I am sent you. It was the same words there as it was when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. That same I am is why they picked up the stones to stone him. He was claiming to be God. John eight fifty nine is important as John eight fifty eight, where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, understanding that, All the way through the Bible, it talks about Jesus Christ being God. Here is a place. Let's look at it closely. Therefore, take heed to yourselves, to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. (laughs) Right there, it's saying that Jesus is God. The church of God, which he paid for. Wow. That's pretty, pretty dynamic verse there to prove that Jesus Christ is God. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Very clearly tells you Jesus is God. Verse 29. And we'll close with this. For I know this, that after my departures, my departure, savage wolves, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You see, there's always going to be those that try to stop the Word of God. Because if they can stop the Word of God, it's going to stop you doing what you do for the kingdom of God. And understanding that we are all here for God's purpose, the devil wants to stop us from doing God's purpose. If you can't beat him, the devil says, then join him. Bring in a hundred truths. And one lie. You see, it isn't the truth that's going to hurt you. It's the lie that's going to hurt you. It's like somebody saying, you know, I got a pocket of jelly beans. Want one? Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, but when I was out in the garage, one fell in the rat poison. I, I picked it up and I put it back in my pocket. Well, if I you give me jelly beans, I might get the one that was dropped in the poison. Oh, well, that was just one. Think of all the good ones that are in there. Well, ain't the good ones I'm worried about. It's the one bad one that's in there. And the devil knows he'll sell you a thousand truths to slip you one lie. And the lie is what gets you. That's why we need to know God's word. That's why you need to read the Bible on your own. Not just so you take my word for it, but that you know what the word of God says. Read it in context. 20 verses before, 20 verses after. When you come in question on a verse, that'll give you the context of it. That's going to help. Because that brings stability into our lives so that when the enemy comes with his lies, we can spot it. See, that's what's important. You know what the enemy is about. And remember, the enemy morphs. You know what that means? It means he might look this way one day, but he'll be in a different form another day. 
What he tried to sell you and you rejected two days ago, he'll come with another lie another day trying to present it to you. And if we're not aware of the wily craftiness of the devil, the Bible says, Peter says, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And if we're not aware that we always have to be in our guard. Well, you know, I had this little bout with the devil a couple of weeks ago, but I'm all right now, so I'm cruising. Nope. You always got to keep your, you always got to keep your scatter shield up. Because he's always lobbing stuff at us. And that, that's why the Bible says, By the washing of the water of the word. Only God's truth washes off the devil's mud balls. He always does it. He's always going to keep chucking them. This side of heaven, prepare, have a foundation. Because as we go along in our Christian experience, as God uses you more and more, we shared this last week, new devil, new level, new devil. You're going to find yourself being challenged over and over again with different things. What might have wiped out an individual uh, when they first got saved was some kind of a culty idea. Well, the devil's not going to try that on somebody that's a seasoned Christian. He's going to, he studies you to see how he can destroy you. Hmm. Where's this person's weakness? Hmm. How how can we tailor make a, a problem that he'll fall into a snare, you might say? Remember, he might work on that snare for a week, month, five years. 10 years. You see, he's clever and he's crafty and he knows. If he was coming down the street in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork selling fireworks, you could spot him five miles away. But he doesn't come that way. He comes smooth and easy, comfortable, charming, beautiful, pleasant. And that's the way he works. And because of a pleasing appearance sometimes, or because of a, of a familiarity that he has about him, we don't feel that it's a threat. Kind of funny that the Bible mentions that there are demonic shrieking spirits, like the man in Gadara had when Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, and they, remember he cast them out and they all went into the pigs? But then the Bible talks about familiar spirits. What's that? Well, familiar spirit is that it doesn't shriek, it doesn't cut itself, but it's just as deadly, it's just as evil, but it's familiar, comfortable, palatable, maybe even nice, but just as deadly. The craftiness of the enemy, Paul said, the wolves are going to come in. So, how do you know the difference between a wolf And a sheep. How do you know the difference between a wolf that's wearing sheep's clothing? It's easy. It's what they eat and the tracks they leave. Follow their tracks and you'll see a pretty good indication of what they really are. Look at what they eat. Look what they feed on. Look at the destruction that they do. That will give you a pretty good idea. Paul was saying, hey, look, I gave you the whole counsel of God's word. And remember, knowing that, wolves are going to come in and try to disrupt the family of God. Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you for the truth of your word. And thank you, God, that we have a sure foundation in this world that we live in, God, with so many crazy things going on. 
If it wasn't that our faith was rooted and founded in you, we could be shaken. So, God, remind each one of us to read our Bibles, to know you, to know your heart. And so, Father, may your Holy Spirit uplift, convict, challenge each one of us to be more like you. Because really, Jesus, it's all about you. We just want to be like you. So, God, those things that don't belong in our life, Help us. Get them out. Repent from them. And help us bring in those things that reflect you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.